This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action. Laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. That's right. Let's get after it here. Week eight of the NFL season on BetQL. And good to have Grant Paulson back. What's going on, man? You were in the frozen tundra. I guess the not-so-frozen tundra when you went. But uh, Lambeau Field last week. Good to have you back. Yeah, it was an awesome trip. Absolutely loved it. It's just a special place to watch football. Iconic Lambeau Field. And I did as thorough an experience of a fan watching a football game at Lambeau as you can. I parked in somebody's driveway gave them 20 bucks <laughs> yeah i ate all the food they provided for me i went to the bathroom in their bathroom it was really really cool <laughs> wait hold on hold on so there's not there, there's not porta potties you actually go in someone's house yeah 20 bucks you get food oh, that's you incredible. get to use their bathroom you get to sit at their kitchen <laughs> table if you want and charge your phone it was a really incredible experience everybody out there is just so nice and they all love the packers uh, it was a great game, and since then, the Packers have won again on Thursday Night Football without any wide receivers against an undefeated Cardinals team. Matt LaFleur now 33-7 and through 40 games as their head coach, the best 40-game regular season start in history. He and Green Bay looking to get to the NFC Championship game for the third time in his three seasons, and everybody loves to say, well, Aaron Rodgers is doing that, not Matt LaFleur, and certainly it helps. I would say Aaron Rodgers is the biggest reason they're – 33 and 7 in their last 40, but they were 17, 20 and 1, excuse me, 20, 17 and 1 in the 38 games before LaFleur got there under Aaron Rodgers when he was on the field, about a 500 team. So give him some credit. He's done a hell of a job, and Green Bay looks legit. Yeah, big time win for them, as you mentioned, against the previously undefeated Arizona Cardinals. I will say in that game, Cliff and Matt LaFleur, they, uh, <laughs> they, they they tried to give each other the game there a little bit. It's still one of the, the crazier innings we'll see this season. Of course, with A.J. Green at the end, the miscommunication clearly uh, with Kyler Murray, and then the sequence before the goal line on the opposite end for the Green Bay Packers. But Green Bay has some extra time. They'll actually take on Kansas City uh, next week. Look at the AFC right now, Grant, before we go around the league, and it is pretty wild to see the number one and number two seeds. Those would be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders, just like everybody thought it would be heading into week eight of the season. And you take a look at some of the odds over at FanDuel right now. It it still has Cincinnati and Las Vegas tied for the seventh best odds to win the AFC, to go to the Super Bowl. They're both plus 1,700. The Bills still the favorite at plus 250. Baltimore plus 490. And even Kansas City still has better odds at plus 600. That has to just be built, of course, on the past and what they've been able to do. You think those odds are some value? Would you put some money down on Cincinnati or Las Vegas right now? I don't think I would. You know, I like both of those teams, actually. And I think both could and maybe will make the playoffs, but not in the positions that they're currently in. And I think you've kind of seen the best versions of those teams now. 
in the fact that the Raiders have responded to the ousting of John Gruden with consecutive wins in pretty dramatic fashion. Now, they did it against Denver, who I think is bad, and Philadelphia, who I think is probably worse. Um, But they're going to start playing the varsity portion of their schedule and have to prove themselves. The Bengals, meanwhile, when they just shellacked the Ravens. Now, that looked like a letdown spot for Baltimore. They had a bye week looming. They had just pummeled the Chargers. So I don't know that that happens twice when those teams meet, but the stars align. You give Cincinnati credit. They played a great football game. I'm not completely buying in yet. I think there's a big difference between having a great first couple of months like an Arizona Cardinals in the NFC and being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And I would say that none of those three teams for me are at risk of like running the table in the playoffs. But I'm happy that we're here. I'm happy that we've got some new teams atop the standings and atop the conference. I think that's healthy for the National Football League. Joe Burrow, you know, considering he was out all last season after what the first five weeks, I guess, would have been where he had the ACL injury. Yeah, it's been a great story. Zach Taylor is proving me wrong. I, I question him whether or not he was the right guy to be the head coach for Joe Burrow. And obviously he's got nothing to worry about with his job anymore, at least for another year, based off of what they've been able to do, barring some ridiculous collapse here on, on the back half of the season. But my thing with Cincinnati, I think we're a year away like next year heading into the season, Grant, I think we'll all be saying, Oh man, what well, look out, Cincinnati, they're 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 a Super Bowl contender. I just think it's another year away for people to get there. I'm with you in terms of for this season. Now they're gonna have every chance to win this division. They currently, if the playoffs ended, as we mentioned, would be the number one seed. But playoff football with Joe Burrow, still an inexperienced quarterback, still an inexperienced head coach. I think we're just a, a year away. And at some point, look, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not going to be Mahomes in the Super Bowl at, at some point, whether it's this year uh, or it's next year. And we're not going to have that kind of crazy run. Even looking at what Brady did, there was still some spotty years where, you know, a Manning would get in or a Big Ben would get in, for example. So out of that group, Burrow or Allen or Herbert, one, one of them is going to, we're going to say, has no experience in the playoffs. And one of them is going to get there right now out of that group. Josh Allen has the most experience, of course, going to a AFC title game last year, even though he lost. Yeah, I think Cincinnati, for me, it's it's not really about Burrow. I mean, he had a huge game against the Ravens that's going to start getting him some of the acclaim that as a first overall pick, a year and change removed, it's probably deserved. But really, this is not a Burrow story to me. He's been solid. He's had a couple of really good games. Their defense is immensely improved. Trey Hendrickson's one of the better pass rushers in the league. He had double-digit sacks with the Saints last year. He's been massive for them. Uh, They went out and they got... Uh, Woozy from Dallas, who's been sensational in their secondary, and they completely reworked the back end. I mean, this defense is legit. Their supporting cast around Burrow is terrific. Uh, Joe Mixon, the only question with him has ever really been health. He's as talented a dual-threat tailback as there is in the National Football League. You know about the weapons at wide receiver. They targeted T. Higgins 15 times last week. I mean, he's a former second-round pick who had a great college career at Clemson. Uh, He's good. I think he's probably their second, maybe their third best receiver. Uh, Jamar Chase is unbelievable and is going to be the rookie of the year on offense. Uh, They got weapons on uh, tight end that are mismatches, Uzama. So I just think this is a really well-put-together football team by that front office. I've always liked Zach Taylor. I know it's it's easy to beat up on him because he's young and pretty good-looking and worked with Sean McVay and hadn't (laughs) won a lot of games. But – he goes for fourth downs and he kind of tries things and he's creative. And those are all things I look for. You know, it's weird when you don't have a very good team, you lose. And when you have a better team, you win crazy. Right. So 
So people were yeah, ready to wild. blow this dude out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's a I think he's an up and coming coach. There's a lot of things I like about the Bengals. The the, the, the simple way to, to break them down, you're going to hear all over the country is, oh look, they drafted Joe Burrow and here they are. And while there's some truth to that, there's just a lot more baked into that pie than that Burrow is like waving some wand over them and dropping some dust all over this organization. All right, let's go around the league here in week eight, a Halloween edition of the NFL slate. And let's start with those Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati minus 10 and a half at the New York Jets, the total at 42 and a half. And you mentioned Jamar Chase. The guy is averaging 21 and a half yards per reception this season. And he's in second place in all the NFL right now with 754 receiving yards. And guess who they get to go up against? You mentioned that Bengals defense. They get Mike White, who is making his first NFL start. Good luck, New York, in this one. Uh, if you take a look at, at what he was doing last week in the uh, effort there after Zach Wilson got hurt, he threw two picks against that New England defense. This thing's going to be ugly against the New York Jets. It's going to probably be over by the time we get to halftime. I don't think anybody's stressing here. Cincinnati going to be able to coast through, and I expect Joe Mixon to have a big day. We'll get to that during some of our Sunday studs. Yeah, number. Uh, you look at the last two wins for the Bengals. It's a big number, but they won by 23 and 24. Now they're playing the number 31 offense in the league in the Jets, and they're going to their backup quarterback. I mean, Gold, would you know Mike White if he was sitting on your lap? I guess you would say, please stop sitting on my lap. Who are you? But I don't think you'd recognize him. I know, no, I've never seen number. the guy in my life. Never <laughs> seen the guy in my life. I have zero clue. You could tell me he's 6'7". I have no idea. I really don't. Rams, 14.5-point favorites in Houston, playing the Texans on the road. Total in this game is 48. L.A. is 6-1. and one. I think they got plenty of firepower to cover this massive number. They're the number two offense in the league in yards per play. They're number one in passing efficiency and in offensive yards per play through the air. Four and three against the spread. Houston just traded Mark Ingram, and a lot of players are frustrated about it. I think that the week they had could hurt them. I know it's a huge number, but with that offense, as potent as it is, 14 and a half is not a tall order for the Rams, I don't think, in this game. Yeah, I wonder how Brandon Cooks and that team reacts. You mentioned Mark Ingram and, and the trade there, and essentially they gave up nothing, did the Saints. It's, what, a 2024 uh, seventh-round pick? I mean, we're going that far in the future in the NFL for a trade with Mark Ingram. I guess they, they try to make it seem like the Texans' front office was doing him a solid to get him out of Houston. But Brandon, Cook, Brandon Cooks clearly upset. Uh, Tyrod Taylor still not ready to go, so it's David Mills for another week. Next up, how about Pittsburgh? They're three-and-a-half-point road dogs at Cleveland. 42-and-a-half is the total. Baker Mayfield, he's been cleared as of Thursday night. He's good to go. They'll get him back. Chubb, questionable during the week. We'll see ultimately what his status is going to be come Sunday afternoon. This is going to be a fun defensive matchup, too, because you got two of the guys that will get after the quarterback in the league where Miles Garrett, he leads the league, as we know, with nine-and-a-half sacks. And then – you got T.J. Watt, who has, what, six-and-a-half sacks heading into this game, or seven sacks, excuse me, heading into this game. So both quarterbacks are going to be under duress, and you just got to wonder about Baker. Does that shoulder hold up? We saw it get popped out of place uh, a couple weeks ago. That's something he's going to deal with in the entire season. I think, you know, for, for Cleveland, do they take something out of that Thursday night performance where Case Keenum and all the backups, really, that were playing were able to get a big-time win to kind of really salvage everything for them? They're going to need a nice effort again against the Steelers team that say what we will about Big Ben. Defensively, though, we know they're, they're still legit as anybody in the league. If Pittsburgh won four straight after the bye under Mike Tomlin, 
they have hit an over in just one of their six games, which is interesting to me, going into that game with that 42-and-a-half that you referenced. Uh, the Eagles are favorites. How about that for Philadelphia? Three-and-a-half points in Detroit, total 48. These two teams are a combined under in nine of their 14 games that they've played this season. <laughs> uh, Philly has beaten, in their two wins, two of the worst teams in the league, Atlanta and Carolina. They're getting a worse team in winless Detroit. This weekend, so it would be on par if they were to get a win. But I kind of feel like the Lions are due. They played the Rams tight, went for a couple of fake punts that were converted last week. They had a lead for much of that game. Remember, they had Minnesota on the ropes before a, a final drive for a field goal in the waning 30 seconds. They had Baltimore beat, should have won that game, got screwed over by a call and then a record field goal. At some point, they're going to win. Why not this weekend for the Detroit Lions in a game where they're three-and-a-half-point dogs? I think this is going to be a popular play for a lot of people. Uh, I don't know if it's one of your picks. We'll get to in the pick six, of course, here on BetQL. But it, it's going to be a play for the reasons you mentioned. You just wonder how long can Dan Campbell continue to get this team to, to play as hard as they have. It's been impressive. We're heading into week eight. At some point, when when you look at the standings and you're sitting there at 0-8 or 0-9, 0-10, do you lose some of that? But I give them a ton of credit because that team absolutely, last week, they went in to you know, win that football game with, with the onside kick and the fake punt against uh, Matthew Stafford uh, and his old team. Next up, Grant, as we continue around the league, how about the 49ers, their three-and-a-half-point road favorites at the Chicago Bears? The total set at 39-and-a-half. This has to be the final star for Jimmy G, right? I mean, it felt like last Sunday night against the Colts should have been it. I still think if Trey Lance truly was healthy, he'd be playing in this football game. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, who I consider one of the better head coaches in this league, this is uncharted territory for him I mean since he arrived there in San Francisco they rebuilt that thing up we know they went to a Super Bowl and now you can't write off the injuries as much as we did last year last year it was a team that was full of injuries you said all right we're, we're, we're good but now this go around I mean this let's find out what Kyle Shanahan and this 49ers team has where that division looks lost for them at this point in time and I, I think it's time to just go ahead and find out what you have in Trey Lance doesn't look like that's going to happen though this week yeah, one and six against the spread. I'm not sure if it's Lance time. I'll push back just a tad because you're right still in the mix for that last wild card spot. And I think I go to Lance when that's no longer the case. Like if he'd looked better or prepared or capable of running the offense, you know, and throwing the football at an NFL level, I'm all for it. If Mac Jones is waiting in the wings, yeah, you make that change. I think with Trey Lance, you're kind of going one dimensional. He's going to be running all over the place and you're going to really restrict the passing game. They still probably feel like they have more of the playbook with Jimmy G at this point. Let's go to Carolina and Atlanta. The Panthers are getting three points in this game. Total 46 and a half. The Falcons love to play to the over. They've done it in four of six games. Sam Darnold, speaking of quarterbacks that might be benched, got benched last week, is playing for his job. Carolina's trying to snap a four-game skid. They're the NFC version of Denver. They went 3-0 out of the gates. They've lost four straight since. Atlanta, meanwhile, quietly has won three of their last four. Their lone loss in that time came in the final minute where they were up with 30 seconds left. So they've been playing much better. Now they beat the Giants, the Jets, and the Dolphins. Not like they've been wrestling with heavyweights here. Having said that, they're playing better football. Carolina is coming in down and out. I like Atlanta in this spot as a three-point favorite. Yeah, Sam Darnold, I mean, in a weird spot himself. You mentioned getting benched, but also there were some rumors for a little bit this week. I know quickly shut down by the Panthers that, you know, they were all in on the Deshaun Watson trade discussions. Of course, as the week went on, that ended. And the more and more we, we get to Tuesday, it seems like 
Deshaun Watson's not going to get moved as both teams wanted some clarity. I feel like the Panthers were very interested, and then they tried to distance themselves pretty quickly there. But Kyle Pitts, and you mentioned the competition, Kyle Pitts playing like the second-best tight end in football right now. I'm not ready to say he is the second-best tight end in football, but the numbers would tell you he's the second-best tight end in football right now. It's been impressive to see him live up to those expectations being that top pick. This is the Sunday spread on BetQL. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Coming up next, we get to our pick six and our Sunday studs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. That's right. We continue here week eight of the NFL season. We'll get to our Sunday studs here in just a little bit. Our favorite prop bets for the week. And uh, those are always fun to get to. If you want to follow us on the show at BetQL app, you can take a look at that. And on Sundays, of course, uh, also having uh, some of our picks, we, we tweet out there as well. If you miss any of those and you can check it out on the Odyssey app as well. All right, Grant. So we got our Sunday studs. We'll get to that momentarily. But right now, how about our favorite picks of the week? We call it our pick six. The pick six. All right, explain this one to me. It's Sunday night football. It's Dallas. Yes, on the road. There's some questions about Dak Prescott's calf. But Dallas is plus three at Minnesota. I think Dallas has been one of the better teams in football. You could argue they might even be one of the best teams or the best team in football, as a matter of fact. I cannot pass up. The Cowboys getting points against Kirk Cousins in primetime. And I know Kirk's actually had a very nice season. You take a look at what he's been able to do. I still think some of those numbers, a lot of times if you watch the full game, his final stat line, a lot of it comes late. He's overthrowing Justin Jefferson. I like the over in this one as well, the over 4-0 in the Cowboys' last four games overall. But Dallas plus three at Minnesota. A team like this, you're getting three points. I, I know it's... I know there's some questions about the cap, but I just love Dallas. I can't. I mean, this is simple. If Dallas is getting points, I'm taking them right now. They've shown enough for me. It's, but it's more simple for me. If Dak Prescott doesn't play, the Cowboys aren't the Cowboys. I mean, last year when Dak Prescott didn't play, they were one of the worst teams in the conference. Uh, Cooper Rush might start. We talked about Mike White. Who's Cooper Rush? I don't know anything about Cooper Rush. Maybe he can make some plays. Uh, the you Vikings think Dak are- doesn't play? I'm not sure, but it, it's trending. I mean, Ed Warder said this week, who knows more about the Cowboys than anybody, that there's a real good sure. chance Cooper Rush makes his first start. I'd say it's true 50-50. It doesn't look particularly good. If I was Dallas, the beauty of getting off to the start you got off to, Alex, is that you don't necessarily have to push it right now in that division. 
So if he's not 100%, why would I ask him to play in this game uh, when I feel like there's nobody in that division that can hang with me? And if I can give him one extra week, maybe this isn't a problem the rest of the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play. And if he doesn't, then I love the Vikings in this spot because it's just not the same Cowboys team. And I think that's what the line reflects. I think um, the Vikings are as good a 500 team as you can be in the sense that they've got a offense loaded with weapons and a quarterback who's been playing brilliantly this season and Cousins. They'll never get any credit for it. Um, You mentioned he has a lot of numbers late in games. It's not like it's garbage time. They're in every single game. You know, if that was Mahomes or somebody some of it's else. Self, some of it's self-created, though, right? I mean, like a couple weeks ago, it's it's Alexander Madison fumbling inside his own 20, and then Kirk Cousins got to lead a comeback drive and set up a 53-yard field goal. Yeah, yeah. They, they love to make it hard on themselves. I don't trust <laughs> them as far as I can throw them, but if, if they're playing against Dak with that firepower, I like their chances. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals. I think the latest updated number I see here is minus 11.5 on FanDuel, so I'll use that and lock that line in. I know that's a huge number for the Cincinnati Bengals to cover. I mean, how many years has it been since you felt good about the Bengals covering an 11 <laughs> yeah. plus point line? That's insane to think about. First time they're five and two, and I think six years. But they've got enough offense with Jamar Chase, I think, to blow a team out. And I just I can't get past the Jets, who already might be the worst offense in the league with an athletic quarterback in Zach Wilson turning things over to their backup. So give me the Bengals. They win by 12 or more. I'm with you on the idea that you're, you're, you're betting on the Bengals minus 11 and a half. I like the pick, but it is wild to think about. This is something that people are very confident in, in doing based on what we've, what, what we've seen seven games into the season. It's understandable. And yeah, the Jets are just a mess. You think Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan would like a reunion the way things have gone since they've separated? No kidding, man. I mean, the Jets in general, it just seems like they've got that reverse car wash vibe where, like, you go there and you leave dirtier than you came in. Like, normally you drive <laughs> out of the car wash and it looks awesome. You go into that car wash and you come out with, like, mud all over your car. Next pick for me, Grant, uh, up in your neck of the woods. How about Washington plus three and a half at Denver? The Broncos have lost four straight after that fluky 3-0 start against teams that were combined 0-9. for They're exactly who we thought they were. And Teddy Bridgewater goes from having five touchdowns, no picks in the first four games. Now he's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions since then. And that offensive line at Denver's had some struggles. And I know the Washington defense, you know better than me, hasn't been what everybody thought it would be, at least nationally heading into the season. But they still have the, the personnel there, I think, to get after Teddy Bridgewater in a Broncos offense that is still towards the bottom half of the league. You're giving me three and a half points. Neither team is all that impressive, but I'll take the three and a half here against the Denver Broncos. I actually really like the pick. I, I don't love Washington on a money line or anything like that. But when you're getting three and a half points in a game that's kind of a toss-up between two bad teams that will probably play in the low-scoring game, I kind of love that vibe in general. So makes some sense to me. Bridgewater, as you said, is really struggling. These two teams, this is like a Spider-Man meme game. Like They're the same team, I think. They got defensive-minded head coaches. They got ownership problems. They got quarterbacks who are journeymen who might get benched if they get off the slow starts. Like they basically are the same team. We were talking about the 49ers. How badly do they need this game on Sunday against the Bears? And the Chicago Bears under Justin Fields offensively just haven't shown much. They can't protect him. He gets hit more than any quarterback. He gets sacked more than any quarterback. He's turning the ball over at a really high rate. 
I think the 49ers minus three and a half in some ways with their season on the line. I mean, if you want to be in the, the close season mix, like right now, we were just talking about Minnesota, who's very okay, right? They're, they're aggressively mediocre and like keep both teams in the game at three and three. They're the last team into the playoffs in the NFC. The 49ers are actually right there with that extra wild card spot, but you have to beat the Bears. I think they play a strong defensive game. I think they do that. Three and a half's a little bit rich. I don't love it, but I think they win four or five points type game. I like Chicago to win this thing outright, as a matter of fact. Wow. I, I just don't I don't like San Francisco whatsoever. A lot of it is just based off the continued play from Jimmy Garoppolo. And my concern also is now suddenly Kyle Shanahan, who, again, I, I consider heading into the season maybe a top five or six head coach in the league and a great play caller. I know he's been limited at, at times this year as well, but what I didn't understand on Sunday night is you look at the second half, how they came out in the third quarter, completely different game plan for what we saw in the first half. And, and I was, what, what took so long to make those adjustments for Kyle Shanahan? It was a little too late, of course, against the Indianapolis Colts who needed that one in a big way. I, I've already ridden off the 49ers. All, I likely could be proven wrong. Certainly wouldn't be the first time, but I just don't believe. I know you're right about the wild card spot. I just don't see it for San Francisco. I, I don't like them, and I think they lose. I don't think they make the, the playoffs Bears. for the record. I don't think they get the wild card spot, but I don't think if you're Kyle Shanahan on Halloween, you can already kind of pack it in. Like you're you're two wins away from being in the playoffs. I think you got it. You owe it to that locker room. Give yourself the best shot until mathematically you're you're eliminated. All right, next up, my final game in the pick six here. It's the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold on BetQL. The Chargers coming off a bye week. They are minus four at home out in L.A. taking on the New England Patriots. The Chargers, as we know, got embarrassed right before the bye week by Baltimore. And that offense of L.A. was held to just three points. But before bombing in Baltimore, the Chargers had 30, 28, and 47 in the three games prior to that. Meanwhile, what the Patriots faced, the Jets twice in some of their wins, the Texans, the Dolphins. So... I think some of the view of New England's been inflated based off of some of the opponents that they have played. I love the charge in this spot coming off the bye week. We'll see where Austin Eckler's at. Kind of iffy with what Brandon Staley had to say the last few days uh, was noncommittal on his status. All of a sudden, after a practice, he started to feel sore. We'll see. But even without Austin Eckler, I, I like the Chargers minus four. I stayed as far away from that game as possible. I just don't have a good feel either way. So I'm, I'm impressed that you're going with that. I'm kind of doing what you did in that Washington-Denver matchup, if you notice, with the Eagles and the Lions. I've got Detroit plus three and a half here. And my logic is essentially, I could see the Lions winning this game outright on the money line. I think it's going to be a 23-20, you know, 27-24 kind of game. Two teams that aren't good. Both of them are going to keep the other team in the game. And Detroit's at home catching three and a half points. There's a lot to like in a game they could win by a field goal. There's a little bit of do theory here. And again, while the Eagles have won a couple more games in Detroit, those wins are against two of the worst teams in the league. Now, the Lions are the worst team in the league by way of record, but I think they played a little better than that record. So Dan Campbell's bunch could get their first win. And even if they don't, they lose by a field goal, I get the win because I'm getting three and a half. So I'll take that. That's all we care about. What about those props, though? Let's check out our Sunday studs. The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs. 
Yeah, let's get right into those. Uh, a 3-0 week on the props last week, Grant. Let's see if we can't uh, continue some of that momentum. Daniel Jones, don't need to overthink this one. Monday Night Football, he's in Kansas City taking on the Chiefs. Over 245 and a half passing yards. It's, it's as simple. The Chiefs, everybody passes against them. It doesn't matter who you are. Jones can get this number in the normal flow of a tight game against Kansas City. The Chiefs get up early. I think either way it goes over, though, right? He could get down. He's going to get some garbage time yards late in the game. Either way, I love this bet. It's my favorite one of the week. Daniel Jones to throw for over 245 and a half yards. Barkley still out. And Jones has gone over this number six of his seven games. And I don't have to tell you about the Chiefs defense anymore. It's been dreadful. In fact, until the Chiefs can get above 500, not 500, above 500, I can't shave this facial hair, Grant. So it could be a little while. Oh, no. Is that what's happening here? <laughs> That's what's going on, yeah. For those of you okay. watching on Twitch, yeah. Well, you're going to hit 500 this week. Now, the problem uh -huh. is they play Green Bay. So then exactly. you're going to be probably a game under 500, potentially. It could be a few weeks. You better uh, buckle up, my friend. That's going to be a little while. Yeah, I'll take, the, I'll take the facial hair advice from you, Grant. We'll see how this develops over the next couple weeks. Yeah, there's no bet being lost here, although I will say that <laughs> Uh, if I was doing something about the Washington football team that I cover getting over 500, I'd look like Tom Wilson and I, I mean, I'm a, a Wilson and his best friend yeah, in yeah. Castaway, Tom Hanks. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I like that from you. I think that's easy money. Um, I was looking at it and saw it on your board. So Damian Harris, starting tailback for the Patriots, coming off a career game, gets the call against the Chargers, who are dead last in yards per attempt. There's nobody worse stopping the run. I think New England tries to take the air out of the ball a little bit and shorten the game and hands the ball off to Harris a bunch. I'll go over 71 and a half rushing yards. Feel really, really good about that. Wouldn't surprise me if he was in the 90s or even hit the century mark. 71 and a half is the number that I like. And then I'm going to go with two props in the same game. I was oh, just kind of. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I was sorting around, you know, sifting through a bunch of stuff, and I saw this Washington Denver game. For whatever reason, both tight ends' numbers are really low. Noah Fant is at 35 and a half. Ricky Seals Jones, 36 and a half in receiving yards. Both of those guys routinely go over those numbers. Ricky Seals Jones has basically become the number two option in the passing game for Taylor Heineke right now. And Washington cannot cover tight ends. Fant went like nine for 90 two games ago. So I like both of those. I know they're in the same game, but I'll throw them out there as my other two props. Yeah, tight end prop. I mean, last week, I think, on this show, we talked about uh, CJ Uzama over there with Cincinnati, and he was a, a prop bet that we liked as well. The tight ends, it's not National Tight End Day. By the way, thank goodness. I, I got so sick at the end of the day. I, I don't know if you were aware, last Sunday was National Tight End Day. They only told us it about a thousand times throughout the games, Who, and all the tight start? ends did show. As a George Kittle creation. But, but like, who made it? I guess my question is, I want the history of it. Like, I understand George Kittle decided <laughs> this thing needs to happen. Who picked the day? How did they get the word out to every yeah, broadcaster good... to mention it 30 times? I don't get the backstory there. Yeah, I don't know why the specific day, uh, but they definitely give George Kittle credit. I mean, they made sure people were well aware of it. They, they promoted the heck out of it, and even yes, some of the tight ends got some, some sponsorship deals. Okay, so you're going there. Uh, I like the Damian Harris bet. As long as he doesn't fumble the football and Belichick doesn't put him in the doghouse, I think you're, I think you're completely fine. All right, my two Sunday studs on top of the, uh, the Daniel Jones one. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver for Carolina under 48 and a half receiving yards we now have seven weeks of evidence that even when Darnold's playing well which it's been a while now he doesn't throw it to Robbie Anderson when he does Anderson's not getting the big play needed to rack up any yards if anybody's had 
Robbie Anderson on their fantasy team this year. You know all about the frustration of Robbie Anderson this year. He's only gone over 48 and a half yards receiving one time this year and only over 30 yards three times this year. It just has not been a good year. Disappointing for Robbie Anderson, and I'm going to look to capitalize on that lack of success so far. And then lastly for me, Grant, Joe Mixon. You referenced Cincinnati a little bit earlier. Joe Mixon, over 70 and a half rushing yards. I like Cincinnati to get up early, hopefully get you the cover on your bet. And they get up early on the Jets and, and get me my over 70 and a half rushing yards for Joe Mixon. I think it's a great opportunity for him either to have a big run early when the game is still in doubt or late. Just feed him. Even with P. Ryan in the mix, I like it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think the Bengals are going to win this game by a ton. And so if they're just running the ball and trying to look up at the clock and see triple zeros, makes sense that, that Mixon would get a lot of rushing yards. And I like that game script play, right? If you're going to be down, go with passing yards for a quarterback, see Daniel Jones. Uh, I think we're, we're smelling the same uh, scent this morning on some of these props. Those are our Sunday studs here on BetQL. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. What about those spotlight games? We got three that we take a look at. Tennessee taking on those Indianapolis Colts. The Dallas Cowboys Sunday night football, three-point dogs. Will Dak play against Minnesota? And how about Tom Brady and the Bucs? They're rolling against the Saints team that's feeling good about their win on Monday night. Those are our spotlight games and our Hail Mary coming up next here on the Sunday Spread. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Sunday Spread. Again, those of you uh, listening on the BetQL radio network, of course, the Odyssey app, and uh, watching us here on Twitch as well, you can check us out every Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Grant Paulson, Alex Gold with you. Uh, Grant, you're the only one that's hit on any Hail Mary, and we're going to get to those, our long shot bet of the week last week i thought i was gonna match you finally i had like a plus 1300 bet with calvin ridley aj brown and tyree kill each to have 100 plus yards uh aj brown did his part but uh, the other the other two guys did not thanks to the tennessee titans defense uh, shutting down tyree kill and that's where we start with our spotlight games how about tennessee they are three-point underdogs against the indianapolis colts and i don't know if this is the colts coming off a big primetime showcase win uh, against the 49ers and people starting to see some momentum there for Carson Wentz, who's just not turning the ball over right now or what, but what's going on with Tennessee in this spot? They have a chance to me uh, where you can normally say it's, it's a letdown game, but I, 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 I don't buy into that because they have a chance to wrap up this division in my mind with a win against the Colts. 
Yeah, I don't know what I don't know about this line. And when that happens, I run in the other direction. Like, to me, if, if I'm guessing lines at the beginning of the week, there's no way they'd be a dog, let alone catching three points. I mean, they are arguably the best team in the AFC. They certainly have the best resume. If you're looking at quality wins, they've beaten the Bills and the Chiefs in consecutive games. They didn't just beat the Chiefs. They embarrassed the Chiefs. They blew them out and kind of broke them over there, you know, like like a, a wrestler, like a Stone Cold Stunner or something. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know what's going on with this line, but I, I'm going to run from this game as far as and as fast as possible. I do think the Colts will be able to run the football. I, I like uh, Jonathan Taylor in this game over his rushing projection, which started in the 60s somehow, ended up in the low 70s, I think, on FanDuel. Uh, but otherwise, I'm probably not going to play anything. I will say that the Titans – look like they're going to be a really tough out. Mike Vrabel's a, a very sharp coach. He always has them prepared. You know, they don't get cheated. This is a guy that, you know, he, he's like Bill Belichick, where he's quirky with rules and he knows all these little uh, opportunities that he's got to do things that other coaches don't try. We've seen it over the last couple of years at times. So I think they normally start games with a chance to win just because he's on the sideline. They got an MVP candidate at running back in Henry. Looks like Tannehill's starting to play a little better. He was sharp as a tack last week. I thought he was impressive against the Chiefs. They got weapons at wideout, even with Julio Jones out. Now they're getting A.J. Brown up to speed at a big diving catch on the sideline last week. Yeah, so, he moved on from that food poisoning, man. He's good to go now. Yeah, he should be okay, right? But uh, I like where the Titans are at. I just, I'm not going to deal with this game because those buildings out west are pretty big for a reason, and I, that line doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the public's all over this game, and you know, on the, on the Titans side, and understandably so. But you're right; in spots like this, it's it's a little scary. That's why none of us uh, put that as one of our pick six bets. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised as the NFL slate uh, goes through it on the the noon slate and into the late afternoon slate. If it's one of those where if you're having some success early in the day, you you might you might pull off a little bit of money there on the the Titans by the time we actually get a little bit later on but i think overall if you look at the the colts here i mean they have a chance though if they could pull off i would have said an upset it's not an upset they're their favorites to, to win this game i still consider it an upset if they're able to pull that off then then suddenly the afc south at least gets a little bit more interesting i mean it's already just these two teams and everybody else but the colts w would have an impossible challenge really to win that division if they drop this one so i i don't i think this is a game where there's no letdown on on either side like it's not the the colts uh, coming off their their Sunday night football win, it is not the Tennessee Titans coming off their win against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think they'll have the same result as what happened to Buffalo, who, of course, beat Kansas City and then lost to the Tennessee Titans. So this should be a really good football game, though, and we'll see if Carson Wentz can continue to, to play at the level he has the uh, the last few weeks. Yeah, he didn't <clears throat> turn the ball over for several weeks. It was, it was kind of keeping the ball out of harm's way. Now, and when is a, a lost fumble, so he still hasn't thrown an interception in weeks, but he had that really bad play against San Francisco. But it was raining. It was gross. I'm going to give him a pass on that. You're right. He's been efficient. And I think what they're getting out of him is exactly what they were hoping for when they acquired him. And the last thing I'll say is they, because of the early part of their schedule here and because of how treacherous th their schedule's been, they don't have the luxury of, like, letdown games anymore, right? I mean, they're already going to be fighting to get their projected – over under for the season you know right around nine and a half or whatever it is nine maybe so i think this is a team that has to play hungry week in and week out and that makes them dangerous right now how about our other spotlight game grant dallas that is actually the sunday night football game dallas plus three 
at Minnesota, the total at 52.5. During around the league, we, we took a little bit of time on, on this game, and the big question surrounding it is going to be whether or not Dak Prescott actually plays in this game or not. If not, it's Cooper Rush, and it changes the dynamic of this one. It was down at, at 2.5 at one point, and then it's, it settled at 3 at FanDuel heading into the Sunday Night Football, and, and obviously the ultimate decision on Dak will will dictate perhaps even some more movement with this line. Minnesota, I mean, they, they have played teams tough all year long. They've made it challenging on themselves, though, throughout. Some of these games should not have been as tough as they made it. There's been some mistakes late in the game. I love Dalvin Cook in this spot to perhaps be the, the leading rusher in football here in week eight uh, for that Sunday slate. If you're taking a look at maybe some some other su- Sunday specials to, to keep an eye on here. So I think it's a high-scoring affair. I love the over in this game at 51 and a half. Again, understanding that it all is going to still, a lot of these these discussions around what you're playing are going to deal with if Dak plays in the game or not. But you see it there. Dallas, 6-0 and against the spread so far this season. Yeah, which is pretty incredible. And it's a nice landing spot, particularly if Dak plays for them to be 7-0 and because they probably would win the game outright at that point while catching the three points. You know, Minnesota is confounding. We talked about them. You know, they should probably be 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two if you go back through their schedule. Just off the top of my head, they lo- missed a field goal, which they've done that plenty over the last couple of years late. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Greg Joseph, it was like a chippy, basically an extra point against the Bengals in overtime, uh, or, or before overtime, I should say. And uh, they, they missed that game against the Cardinals. He, he missed a game-winning kick that was uh, in the final seconds of that game from like 38 yards. I mean, that's two wins right there. Dalvin Cook fumbled when they were in field goal range against the Bengals in overtime. You mentioned that they kind of always do these things that make it hard on themselves. They should have lost to the Lions because they collapsed, came back and won that game in the final minute. Should have lost to Carolina, they collapsed. Cousins came back and was great in overtime. He really quietly is having an unbelievable season. But, you know, he and Derek Carr, you know what I always say on this show, those are the two guys that can't get any credit. Just keep playing great football and everyone thinks that they're nerds, so they don't talk about them, I guess. I don't know. But uh, when they struggle, everyone loves bashing both of those guys. But Cousins has been really, really it good. Is a, it is a primetime spot. You know how many times you're going to hear about the primetime uh, record for Kirk Cousins. This is this is going to be one of those games where he's got a chance to to go against it. It's not Monday Night Football, though. Monday Night Football is like the one where yeah. he's got a bad record or whatever. He's been really good at times on Sunday night here in Washington. Had some of his best games on Sunday Night Football. But, uh, but yeah, people love doing that, like that, that he has a bad record on Monday night. Weird. He played for – a bad Washington team, and they got worked on Monday night a bunch. So he has a bad record on Monday night football. But uh, I think the Vikings win this game if Dak doesn't play. They lose it if he doesn't. Pretty simple for me. I love Cook. I like Jefferson and Thielen in this game as well. I haven't seen what Jefferson's total was. I didn't see it on FanDuel, but they do have Thielen in the low 60s in receiving yards, which could be sexy, I think, uh, depending on what happens with Dak. If Dak plays, then hit a lot of those overs because Minnesota's going to have to throw yes. to keep up. And again, that total at 51 and a half for this game. But Dak Prescott questionable with the calf injury that he suffered at the end of uh, that one against the Patriots a couple weeks ago before their bye week. Let's stay in the uh, the NFC here. How about Tampa Bay? Four and a half point favorites on the road at New Orleans. The total set at 49 and a half. This is a New Orleans team that is coming off a nice win on, on Monday night football. And they, they were able to just feed uh, Kamara throughout the entire contest. They're going to have to do that. Uh, again, right, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty uh, sound strategy. Continue to, to do that, uh, and, and, and you'll like your results typically there. But the Bucks are rolling, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're a team that's starting to get back to how they were looking at the end of last season. I know that secondary is depleted with injuries. I just don't know if it the secondary against New Orleans, if it's all that big of a problem, considering 
what we've seen uh, from Jameis Winston. Not that he's making the mistakes. It's just it, it's it, Jameis Winston is either throwing five touchdowns in a game or he's throwing for a buck seventy and one touchdown, and the offense is sluggish. And sometimes in the Kamara. same game. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah, it's 170 yeah. with five touchdowns, which is kind <laughs> yeah. of hilarious. What, what do you make, though, of – I think they've restricted this offense so much. I think – I don't know if they're afraid of Jameis hurting them. I mean, having watched them a couple weeks ago here in D.C., it's, it's pretty fascinating to me. Like, this looks different. You mentioned Kamara. They're kind of using him as this ground and pound, like, workhorse between the tackles. This is not the Saints of the last bunch of years – I just don't think they no. trust Jameis that much, but they need to open it up this week. I really think that's where the matchup is. I, I don't know if Sean Payton will do that or not. What do you make of that? Yeah, they haven't. I mean, you know, if you were watching Manning cast on Monday night, they had Tom Brady and, and, and they also had Drew Brees. And when Drew Brees was on in the fourth quarter, they had a cut to commercial. But initially, I think it was Payton asked him the question. He's like, hey, what, does this offense look similar to, to, to what you had? And Drew Brees, like, kind of paused. He's like, um... And like, uh, you know, uh, and they're like, all right, we got to go to break. And they let him off the hook because I think he's watching it. And he's like, man, this is this is not the offense that I was playing right. in. And I agree with you. I think they're handcuffing Winston, but also it might net be necessary to a certain extent for the mo- most of these games. You get by with it against Seattle. Uh, not the case. I'm with you against Tampa. You're going to have to put up points in this game. And Marquez Calloway was a guy everybody fell in love with after the Hail Mary earlier on in the season. He, yeah. he hasn't done much since. They're going to have to get him to step up because we know Michael Thomas is still hurt and has been a non-factor this whole season because of it. Yeah, I wonder when he comes back if it looks any different, right? But for the moment, it just seems very conservative. There's not, there's not a lot of explosive plays. They take a shot or two a game. It's the Alvin Kamara show, which there's a lot of worse yeah. shows than that. Uh, he's gotten them <laughs> where they are, and he should be an MVP candidate because of it. But at some point, I think they just have to – to take the handcuffs off Jameis, and, and even if he's going to make some mistakes, you got to open this thing up. I think this weekend could be a good chance to try it. All right, those are our spotlight games here on the Sunday spread. How about our Hail Marys? Grant Paulson hit one earlier. Let's get to it. It's now time for the Hail Mary. All right, this is another one where it's predicated on Dak Prescott. There's a, there's a lot of bets that are banking on Dak playing in this game the Cowboys to be the highest scoring team in week eight. Now this is for Sunday only. So it doesn't include uh, what happened on Thursday night. It doesn't include what could happen on Monday night football between the chiefs and the giants, but plus 900 for the Cowboys to be the highest scoring team. You know, I like the over in the game at 51 and a half. I just think it sets up for that. It is all predicated on Dak Prescott playing. There's no way. Of course I have any shot at this hail Mary unless Dak is playing and it's not Cooper rush. My Hail Mary is from way further down the field. I need a bunch of laterals. I'm plus 1,500, but I kind of like this. The Bengals to lead all teams in points against the Jets a week after the Patriots hung over 50. That's our Hail Mary. We'll talk to you next week on the Sunday Spread.